The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, hello, everybody. I was just walking with Ty this morning, and I said, I always start my show the same way, don't I? Hello, everybody. (laughs) I don't know any other way to start it. I'm always so excited to talk with all of you. And today, Jeff, our engineer, was saying, where are you today, Suzanne? Because he knows, like all of you, we've been traveling for the last five months. We do this five to six months every summer. And today, we are in Tuscumbia, Alabama, visiting our Good friends, the Emmons. Judson Emmons was on my show not too long ago. He's the author of a wonderful book about mediumship, a novel. He's such a great writer. Hope you'll watch, listen to his show in the archives. And we're spending time with he, him and his wife, Donna Jo, and their daughter, Nadia. And the story of how they adopted Haley is just a beautiful story on that show. So... Wonderful time here in Tuscumbia. Ty and I are excited because we will be home in less than a week after being away for five months. Home in South Carolina. We've put over 10,000 miles on our bus this summer meeting people. Just finished up an exciting high-energy retreat at Unity Village last week. Recorded still right here for audiobook. So life never slows down and why would I want it to? I am so excited to bring my guest on, but I have to share you a funny that just happened at lunch about an hour ago. I'm not going to name any names, but Judson and Donna Joe took us to a, a really fun restaurant, very unique. I'm not going to say where it was because the owner's son came and sat with us at the table and he was talking about local politics and he turned to the three ladies at the table, that would be me and Donna Joe and Nadia, and he said, my apologies to the women at the table, but this other lady, this politician, I can't support her because she's a female and you just can't talk to them. 
Um, we just kind of smiled because we're polite, but we got in the car and I mimicked what he said and all the women, we started laughing and the men started laughing and it was just a moment. I hope you're laughing at home too, because it just made my day. He didn't realize he's talking to the Navy commander here. <laughs> and Ty knew it and he knew I was just biting my tongue. So it was funny. Anyway, let's shift gears 180 degrees. That was a very human moment. And the rest of this show is going to be talking about the world beyond the physical world with my beautiful, and I mean it literally, beautiful guest, Michelle Claire. I want you to make sure you, you all understand how to spell that because I want you to find her website. It's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-C-L-A-R-E, michelleclaire.net. I can't even remember how I heard about Michelle the first time, but had the pleasure of meeting her face-to-face and spending the evening with her while in Sedona to do a class last month. And she is as beautiful on the inside as she is outside. And I just can't wait for you all to meet her. She's had three near-death experiences in the last 11 years. And as a result of that is a medium today. So that's what we're going to be diving into. I want to focus on both aspects of her fascinating story and beyond. Sorry about all that yakking, Michelle, while you're waiting to come in, but welcome. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you so much for having me here today. You're welcome. And I wish everybody could see you like I do. We're using Zoom now, everybody. So I get to see her and we're just chatting back and forth here now. But uh Michelle, I barely know where to begin, so I'll ask my team. Okay, why don't you tell us if you know, what did you know about the spiritual world, the greater reality for the first part of your life, pre-mediumship days? Yes, I was raised Catholic, so I absolutely always believed in a higher power. I believed that there were angels and saints and Mother Mary and all of these beams of light that wanted to help me on my journey. Um, and I always knew there was something so much more. However, I will say that being in the religion itself, at times there were pieces that felt very right to me and other times where I thought, hmm. I don't think that doesn't that doesn't sound like what I know God to be. So I always had this individual, I would say, connection with God um, that was guided and actually grown a lot through my faith. But there was also a lot more to it than that. And by the time I was 12 years old, my grandfather, the one I was closest with, had transitioned. After he transitioned, I realized we're still talking. I'm still communicating with Wow. And I would tell my mom, and my mom would say, well, I know that's what you think he would say if he was still here. And I, and I realized, yeah, so I just realized really quick, oh, okay, this is just my conversation with grandpa, and we'll just keep it between us. And so life continued on. Could you see him in your mind's eye or objectively? I could see him in my mind's eye. And I would know when he would show up, sometimes he would come in in dreams and he would give me almost life coaching or advice or tell me how to handle certain situations. And, and so I, it was just very much, although his physical body was not what he was connected to, I had no doubt that he and I were still connected and, and talking. And the fact that he would be able to speak into my life about current situations, that was the part where I was like, oh, I, I can't question this. He, he knows. Yeah, I know so many people listening right now can identify with that. Also, the part where 
somebody else says, oh, that's your imagination or you're just making it up. Did that last? It did last. And so, um, but I never thought about it as mediumship. I honestly didn't know that word. It was just my relationship with grandpa and it was Hmm. still alive. Um, So it was not a word I used. And then when I was, I believe I was 20, my grandmother transitioned. And I remember sitting in the room with her that night in hospice. I remember literally being able to feel that it was full of angels, that Hmm. her mother, her first husband who passed away, her second husband, her baby that passed from SIDS, that they were all in this room. I could see her talking, like looking at the sky ceiling, talking to them. I knew she was talking to her mom and then she'd turn and look at me and smile and Mm -hmm. say something to me. And so I was having these mediumship experiences in that moment and I didn't know it. I just knew that her loved ones were there and going to help her transition. And I would take her as far as I could on the human plane. That's so cool. You just gave me my first goosebump moment of the show. I think I'm going to rename this the goosebump show. (laughs) (laughs) Happens every week. Wow. So you were very clearly tuning into your own loved ones. They're part of your soul family. You know their energy. Did you at any time tune into others' loved ones? Yeah, it wasn't until, so once my grandma transitioned, I noticed we had the same relationship that my grandpa and I had. We could communicate and, and same thing. She would give me messages for my mom. I would say, mom, grandma wants you to quit being, feeling guilty and this and that. And she would Mm. say, well, you just think grandma would say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm pretty sure she's saying that. So then what happened later on, I started um, dating who is now my husband and his father ended up transitioning from an asthma attack while we were dating. And there was a point in time, um, I would say within a few months after his dad transitioned, where I was at his family's home, I was walking down the hallway to go to the restroom. And I literally felt like I walked into a brick wall of energy. And I had no doubt it was him. And And he said to me, it wasn't that I saw him, but I knew it was him. And he said to me, he said, Michelle, you need to tell my son that I am not far away. I'm not way Mm. out there. And it's going to be 80 years until he sees me again. You need to let him know that I am right here. 80 years. That's good news (laughs) (laughs) for you. (laughs) Right. That I'm right here. And how did your husband receive your husband to be? How did he receive that message? Yeah, it was hard for him. It kind of once again got the same. Well, I know you think my dad would say that if he was here um, type type message. Um, But he he was very much not open to any type of communication with spirit like that. And I don't even think I had ever actually talked to him about my relationship with my grandparents and how it continued on. Because by this point in time, I already knew that was kind of my private relationship and it was real and I didn't need the rest of the world to weigh in on it. Oh, that's beautiful to have that kind of confidence. Yeah. Lovely. So your abilities that you have now, are they a direct result of the near-death experiences or how did that unfold? Yes, they they are. So I've always had that personal communication, but with each near-death experience, it opened me up on a bigger level, a higher level, much more expansive. It, it helped me to understand things. And it, and it wasn't until my third one that I really started getting messages for people who would say, like a friend whose husband had transitioned himself or, or it, had, it moved outside of my family group, I would say, with the messages. 
Okay. So we're going to dive into your near-death experiences, not just for how they resulted in your mediumship, but also for what happened, what your experience was across the veil for its own sake. However, as a teacher of mediumship and aware that we all have this ability because we are all souls right now, what do you have to say to those who are listening who say, oh gosh, I'm working on mediumship. Do I have to die first to get better? <laughs> I would say absolutely not. I did it the hard way and most people can do it easier like that. And I also say it's very much like math. I, I will never be a physicist, but I can do math at different levels and we can learn it. And so everyone can learn and grow from the point that they're at. And you know, as well as I do, even though I've had these three near-death experiences, I will continue to grow and expand and understand more just like you will. And that's the beauty of it. It is. And everybody, when you're listening, we had such fun because we went to dinner, as I said, when we were with uh, in Sedona and and on the, in the car, on the way to the restaurant, just the two of us were there. And it is so much fun when mediums get together, at least for me, I've found this to be true. And we share these unique experiences that most others don't have. And we celebrate the awe. And Michelle and I just clicked and resonated. And we both learned things from each other in just a short period of time. So I love that yes. when that we are always improving, all of us. So there's hope for all of us. Yeah. Yes. So your path was not that easy. Let's just go back to that first experience. Yes. So the first one happened in April 2000, and I was 26 years old at that time. So I had been married a couple of years. And um, I was in the hospital that day because my sister-in-law was having a baby. So she had the baby and we were visiting and her RN was actually one of my friends from high school. So I was out in the hallway talking to her RN. And all of a sudden I had a massive seizure. And what I remember is waking up and I was laying on the ground, but my head was in my grandma's lap and she had transitioned a few years before that. Oh my. And as I open my eyes, I see her. She looks like the best, healthiest version of grandma that I can remember. So I know who she is. Goosebumps. Yes. (laughs) I'm sitting in this room. I'm in this beautiful room and the walls are white but they're not solid like our earthly walls, although they appeared solid. They are made of molecules or cells or whatever you would like to call this, each little molecule and cell radiating light and love. And this beautiful room that I'm in, and I'm really just kind of sitting there in awe and I'm feeling complete, absolutely 100% complete, more complete than I had ever felt in my life. And I grew up feeling very loved. And in this moment, I feel more loved than I had ever felt in my life. And as I'm laying there, I look up next to my grandma and I notice this amazing 12 foot tall angel standing there. And she is radiant. She is radiating her own light, radiating her own energy, radiating God source, the divine's light and energy. It was unbelievable. And I look at her and the first thing I think is, oh, I want, I'm going to look at her feather wings because I'm looking for these big feather wings. And so as I move my eyes to look for her wings, I realize her wings are made of light and they are Mm. massive. And mm. they, they move kind of like the Aurora Borealis on the outside. So they're moving oh. and they're waving Ooh. and they trail off. They trail off into what literally seems like eternity. Like I never saw the end of the wing. It was always there. And I thought that was so representative mm. of the love that source has for us, right? It's always yeah. there. Oh, it spans man. eternity. And so as I was looking at her, I thought, 
what is your name? And I did not move my lips. And she answered me. She said, my name is Madeline. And I was a little bit surprised because I thought, how does she know what I'm thinking? (laughs) I did not know about telepathic communication. And so as I was laying there in awe of her beautiful, radiant presence, she said her name was Madeline and that she was one of my guardian angels. And so I really just kind of was soaking it in. I was in no hurry to leave. I actually didn't even think about where I had been or what happened. I was just very present in the moment. And then the next thing I know, I hear someone yelling, code, code, code. I'm I'm back in my body. And my arm itself felt like it weighed 100 pounds. The density, the heaviness. Oh, it was so much heavier on this earth plane than where I was. Wow. So for those of you who aren't into medical things, code means somebody's heart has stopped. And that would be you. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, I hear descriptions of near-death experiences like yours and all are a little different yet they all speak of that immense love and the comfort and the peace were you a little bit upset to be back here (laughs) (laughs) well i will tell you i didn't know the word near-death experience i knew Mm -hmm. i had had an experience and it seemed realer than real life but Mm -hmm. i did not know the word near-death experience so it took me a couple weeks before I told anyone. And I told my mom and I said, Oh, mom, I had this experience and my mom was an RN. And so although she was very much drawn into it, she was also kind of like scientifically trying to figure out how that happened. (laughs) Well, I'm going to put you to the test here. People often say it was more real than this life feels. So clearly it's more real than a dream feels. Do your best to put into words how something can seem more real than this. Okay. I would say with that, the colors are more vibrant, Mm. the, um, the connection. So even though I did not have a word connection or a physical, my grandma's, my head was in my grandma's lap, right? But say how we feel if you give someone a really big hug to humans, we feel really connected. This is a big, huge hug. The connection on that level was a thousand times stronger than the biggest, best hug you have ever had in your life. Oh, man. That really makes us brave for coming here as souls to have these experiences and leave that. Yes. Wow. Wow. Where do we go from here? Let me ask the team. What did you do with that experience once you recovered from the seizure? Yeah, I, um, well, you know what, I came back feeling more loved than I ever had in my life. And I knew that my grandma was still connected to me. I knew I had always believed in angels, but now I had seen one. I knew they were real. So there was an opening, I would say to more angel energy for me where I was Mm. bringing that in. But overall, it didn't change my life. After that on an on an um, on a level that anyone would notice, it changed me personally. Um, but I was still working. You know, I worked for the airlines at that point in time. We, I was married. I, it, it didn't change the outside of what I was doing. Okay. And that seizure just came out of the blue? No history yeah. of that? No history. Never had another one. They had me in the hospital overnight. They ran brain scans. They did heart testing. They did all. No. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So. I imagine that felt like a gift in disguise to have that experience. Wow. So quick, quick question before I forget it. I've been asked this question, but I can't speak from personal experience. You can. 
What is the difference between a guardian angel in your experience and a spirit guide? Yes. So I feel like they are different. So to me, I feel like the angels come in to love us and protect us and really um, a lot of times perform what humans call miracles. And now spirit tells me they're called happenings because they happen when you align with them. Right. Um, And so so that's where the angel energy comes from for me with the life guides. To me, those are really the people who are part of our pre-life planning and the ones who say, hey, I know you forgot, but I'm going to help you get back back on track. I know you forgot, but <laughs> yeah. we're getting back on track. So they play a little bit of different roles, although they all show up in love and support. Okay, great answer. Resonates with my understanding as well. So I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so you said that the room you were in, the walls seemed like ours, but they radiated love themselves. Yes. I'm looking around at the walls of my bus that I'm in right now, and they seem very solid. I believe they're made of the same stuff, though, but it's just point of view. Want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, absolutely. So when when we start thinking about, so in our human world, this is what I would say, everything we see around us, right, has come from someone's dream, someone's imagination, someone's creativity, and we've pulled it all into this world. So it looks like a TV, it looks like air conditioning, it looks like grocery stores, it looks like a million things. But all of those ideas and that creativity comes from a soul that is connected to a place of love. So what we're doing is we're bringing into our earthly realm things that we know from other places and higher realms beautifully said all right let's see we have enough time to jump into your second nde which i wouldn't i wouldn't wish these physical experiences on anyone but since it happened it's beautiful that we can all learn from what you experienced michelle so what happened the second time absolutely so my second one happened in may 2006 and i was 32 years old then At that point in time, I was a stay-at-home mom. I had three little kids. So I had a five-year-old, a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, and I had just had my son who was six weeks old at this point in time. And and so I was really busy being mom and just managing things and keeping everybody going. And with that, after I had my son, I had multiple, multiple complications. And so I was in and out of the hospital for the following six weeks. I would run fevers. They would put me in the hospital. I'd be on IV antibiotics five days. They'd send me home two days later back in the hospital. So in and Mm. out for six weeks. And, And finally, the doctor said, we need to do a DNC. And for those people who don't know what that is, it's basically where they clean out your uterus because I was having infections. They didn't know if there was placenta that had been left or what was going on. And he said, it's going to be really easy. It's a 45 minute outpatient procedure and this'll do the trick. And I really wanted to believe him. And so uh, because he was giving me the quick fix answer, like we've got this now. And I was tired of feeling sick. So I said, okay, the night before I just had a gut feeling that I should not go through with this. Um, I can I was, feel it in my abdomen as you say that. I got this yes. clen- clenching. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, I was feeling almost physically ill thinking about it coming on and knowing I shouldn't do this. And yet he made it sound like, an easy procedure and and no big deal. So I decided to go through with it. So this is the part where I always say, follow your gut, follow your gut. Even if someone tells you quick, easy, we'll have you fixed up and sent home in 45 minutes. That's um, Mm -hmm. follow your gut. And so I did not follow my gut. And the next day I show up and 
I mm. talked to the anesthesiologist also, and he said the same thing, quick, easy, um, you know, and I had had anesthesia before in surgery. And when I had that, it was always just about pieces of time that were gone. I wasn't dreaming. They weren't black. It wasn't, black. it's just missing pieces of time for me. And so I remember counting down as he's wheeling me into the operating room. And the next thing I know, I'm in the operating room laying on the gurney and I look over and my beautiful hundred pound white German shepherd named Tahoe, who had transitioned a couple years before, walks into the operating room, lays her head on my gurney and looks at me. Oh my, oh my goodness. <laughs> and were you, so were you, were you aware at this moment, like I shouldn't be seeing you or this is a dream? I wasn't. I just I was so present in the moment that mm. I was like, here's my beautiful, beloved dog, who is not a dog. She's a family member yeah. um, right here. And I was thrilled to get to spend this time with her. And I, and I will tell you, yes. And so the next thing I know, we're gone and we are on a phenomenal beach and we are running and running. And I look around. There are colors we don't have here on earth. There are um, flowers and molecules of light and Every drop in the ocean is once again radiating this light and love and completeness. And it was phenomenal. And as she and I are running, I'm looking at her. Once again, we're extremely connected. I can tell she's happy I'm here. She's enjoying our time together. She's healthy, beautiful, silky coat. Um, and we're running and running. And I noticed that, the same. That, that in itself is so comforting to those of us who have pets across the veil. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So as we're running, I notice the sand isn't hard. It feels like clouds, um, even though I see it and it's white sand that we're running on. And I notice we're not getting hot or tired or thirsty. And I'm kind of thinking, well, this is interesting. Sounds and like then, heaven. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> here's, here's the funny part of this. I hate to run. And I will tell my neighbors and friends, if you see me running, call 911. Like that's an emergency <laughs> situation. So here I am in this near-death experience running with my beautiful beloved dog on the beach. And as we're running, I'm very much aware that there's just each step and each breath. I had never been more present in a moment that I can ever remember. It was just each step and each breath. But as we're running, I can feel my son, who is six weeks old at the time and at home with my mom, oh. energetically calling to me. And he is worried that I'm going to leave him. And so this is where mm. I realized our soul can be in more than one place at a time. Yes, it can. Great, yes. great lesson for people to hear. Yes. So I go to my son and I say to him, I will find a way to stay. And at that point in time, I start praying and I start saying, it's not my time. My kids still need me. I need to stay. Um, and it's, it, it was a prayer, but it was a call for help. It was, um, it wasn't me praying in the Catholic way that I had been raised, but it was just, a, it was just me knowing that I could ask for help. And as I started praying, I saw that operating room light up with a beautiful white light and I felt Jesus come in and Jesus came in very much as my friend as wow. to stand wow. there. Yeah. This is a terrible place to have to take a break. So don't go away everybody because we're going to hear the rest of this near death experience and what she learned from it and more to follow. So Michelle Claire is our guest and we'll be back in three and a half minutes. Three minutes. 
Human Design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum Human Design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hi, everybody. We're talking with Michelle Clare. She's a medium, an angel intuitive, spiritual coach, energetic healer, intuitive life coach, and just plain beautiful soul. So, Michelle, you were talking about your second near-death experience. You're now across the veil, and Jesus steps in. And Jesus steps in, and the operating room fills with light, and I just know that I'm going to be okay. And that was the end of that. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up in the post-op and I look at the clock on the wall and it had been three and a half hours since Mm. my surgery started. And so what I found out was during my surgery, the surgeon had ruptured my uterus and he had missed my aorta by a millimeter. And then they called in an emergency laparoscopic surgeon. And while he was in there, the same surgeon that did the first rupture did a second rupture too. Oh, and so my, yes, my 45 minute procedure turned into a three and a half hour surgery and another week in the hospital. And then after that, it took me about three more months to um, be at 80%. So I actually became, um, I started running fevers after that, because when they ruptured the uterus, they spread the infection. So then I was in the, in the hospital. And there was one day after that, where I looked at my husband and I said, if I don't make it, you need to call an attorney. Cause there was literally one day where I thought I, I might die. And little did I realize I had known my experience. I had known it was vivid. So I wasn't afraid to die. I was afraid to leave my kids. Of course, of course. So you had that gut feeling the night before. Well, here's a, Tough question, though. You had this experience with your dog. You saw Jesus. You absolutely had the certainty there is more than this life. We don't die. Wow. Yet there's a trade-off there, right? There was a trade-off there. There was a lot of physical trauma, um, even though I was given a huge emotional gift. Yeah. All right. So that's enough death for one lifetime too <laughs> uh, but there's another one 
there's another one. And for people who like numbers, that one happened on 11-1-11. So November 1st, 2011. And I was mm. 38 years old at that one. And by this point in time, my son was five and my other daughter was eight and my other daughter was 10. And my oldest was at school. And I said to my two younger ones who were home with me, I said, I'm going to, um, we have these candles in our rooms and our ceilings are about 14 feet high and about 12 feet up. I have candles where you replace the battery and they turn on every night at the same time and glow and turn off. I said, I'm going to put the batteries in here. And when I'm done, we're going to go get your sister. So I started climbing up the ladder and as I was nearing the top of it, I felt it start to shift. And literally the only thing I had time to think is this is going to hurt. Oh boy. I just held a ladder for Ty today. We have a rule in our house. Nobody goes up a ladder without somebody holding it. That's a very good rule. That is a very good (laughs) Everyone should have this rule. And so as I climb up to the top and I feel it shift and I think this is going to hurt. At that exact moment, I am literally ripped out of my body. Not in a painful way. I have to stop you right here. I make this point. Every time this comes up, those of you who have loved ones who passed in a traumatic way when you know their body likely felt pain, every time I hear these stories, it's validated that the soul is out of the body observing it and does not know the pain. So sorry to interrupt, but yes. it's so uh, worth mentioning. It's so important. And and it's so such a big deal, right? Because our soul doesn't have to go through that trauma. And so I was ripped out, not in a painful way, but in a fast way, ripped out. Mm. I was turned around and I was looking at my body and the mm. ladder suspended in the air. Wow. And then I realized I was standing with three people. It was mm. a Hawaiian man an Egyptian woman and an Asian man. And I had never met them before, but I felt like I had known them my whole life. I felt very comfortable. They felt like family and they were standing there and they said to me, what would you like to do, Michelle? Do you want to stay or go? And I was standing there thinking, this is crazy. My body is going to hit the floor in a second. And I literally felt like I had forever to decide what I wanted to do because I was in that place with no time. There was no no need to hurry. And so I was kind of pondering that. I have no idea for how long that was because of the no time area, but they were very loving and kind. And I felt like I could make a choice. And as I was watching my body and the ladder suspended in the air, I saw another huge, beautiful angel come in. So not Madeline from my first near death, a different angel. And as this angel came in, I just knew it was either there to immediately take me home or to make things work out so that I could stay. And as I was standing there looking at this angel, I'm kind of in awe of the whole thing. I'm feeling all of this love. I'm not feeling like I'm in a hurry. I I really like these people, even though I don't know them. I feel like I know them. And and I see my younger two kids in the kitchen. Mm. And as I see my kids, I know I have to stay. Mm -hmm. And so I choose to stay. And at the moment that this decision was made, I feel like I was uploaded or downloaded with a million pieces of information. And a lot of that was things like, okay, Michelle, we know that you think your only life purpose is to be a stay-at-home mom. And that's beautiful. And that's a big purpose, but we have more plans for you. And I, and I really came back knowing that now I was going to need to live my life to help more people in another way and use my mediumship. And I believe there were things told to me that day that I still don't remember because there was so much information that came through 
And it was so quick. I, I, I liken it to the old fashioned rubber stamps, you know, how they would put a stamp on you and it would say mm. name, date, address, and you'd fill all in the information. That's yeah. how quick the, the information came through. And so I decided I would stay and I, and it was worth it to me to come back and, and take on more in my life to be able to stay and raise my kids. So I ended up falling. And as I fell, I hit the back of my head on the corner of my granite island. I had a five and a half inch skull fracture. I lost my equilibrium. I had a brain bleed. I lost taste and smell, part of my hearing. I, you know, but what I have guests on the show, they go through this laundry list of physical ailments like it's nothing. But any yeah. one of those by itself, I had a brain bleed, I had a five and a half inch skull fracture, blah, blah, blah. These are serious things to have to come yes. back to face. Yes. Yeah, it, it is. It's a lot. It was a lot. And so so I um, I had all of these things that I had to work through. But as they once they got me out of ICU and I was able to, you know, talk with the doctors, I was in the hospital for about 10 days, but within probably the first 24 hours of being there, one of the doctors said to me, you know, you're really lucky to be here. You missed your brainstem by half an inch. Mm -hmm. And that half an inch was the difference that angel moved my head. In that time you were making the choice. This raises such a question. I know the answer in my heart, but would love to hear you say your feeling about it. There are a lot of people listening who have loved ones who passed in an instant like this, in an accident, and they're saying, well, why didn't they choose to come back to stay with me? You chose to yeah. come back to be with your kids. Right. What are your feelings right. about that, your thoughts? So my thoughts are that it's actually happening on multiple levels. So I want to say that it wasn't just the human side of me that came back because the truth is my kids have loving family. They truly would have been raised and been okay and been well cared for and all of that, right? But what was happening was also happening on a soul level. And so I also knew that on the soul level, I was going to be able to come back and help people in a way that I had not done to done that yet. And so I also will say that I feel like there's this overall approval. And with that, that is from God source, the divine, where it's like, yes, you can come home now or, or no, you cannot. And, and we know I've heard of people who've had near death experiences and they come back very depressed because they really wanted to stay. And the answer was no. Right. And so um, so I believe that there is some choice in it sometimes, but not always. I don't think it's 100 percent across the board. And how important it is to understand that even though they're not here with us physically, they are still helping us, like you said. We know Absolutely. that it's mediums. Yeah. Yes. So after that experience, how did the mediumship that you practice now, which is far beyond sensing your own loved ones, your grandmother, your grandfather, your father-in-law, how did that unfold and present itself? Right. So in January 2012, a few months after my accident, uh, my son, who was five years old, started getting very depressed because he had tried to call 911 and it had not gone through. And he would come to me, my mom, my mother-in-law and say, I didn't need to be there. I did nothing to help her. And we would say, but you opened the door for the policemen. You let them in. And, and he was just feeling really heavy about it. And there were no words that we had that could change the way he felt. My grandfather, who transitioned when I was 12, came through in an extremely vivid um, 
meeting with him. And with that being said, he talked about my accident and my head injury. He talked about my son. They have never walked this earth at the same time. So that shows you our connection. That's right. right. Didn't need to. <laughs> Didn't need to. No, still connected, right? Right. Talked about my son. Talked about my son being very good with electronics. And then he said to me before he left, you need to get the 911 recording. There's something on there that you should know. Oh, boy. And I did not even know I could get that. I had never even thought of that. So, of course, when grandpa comes through from the other side to tell you to do it, you do it, right? <laughs> so yeah. I I ordered it, and it came in about two weeks later, and I put it in and played it, and I heard them say, 911, what's your emergency? And I hear my son's Josh, his little broken voice, say, Sophie, what do I say? And then he lays the phone down. So I believe he called truly in the immediate trauma right as it happened and had actually forgotten that he called. And for the next minute and a half, you can hear 911 saying, can you hear us? What's happening? Trying to get their attention. And then and he they're says, probably geolocating you by that point. So he exactly. did save the day. Yes, help is coming. And so then you hear him say, I'm going to push the panic button on the house alarm. And my daughter says, hold on, let me try calling 911. She hangs it up. And then her call goes through. So I had two 911 recordings that day. Both of my kids were able to get help. So when Josh came home from kindergarten, I said, Josh, I said, your call went through. And it was like lifting a 10,000 pound weight off a five-year-old little boy. And I saw oh. his self-worth and his self-confidence and his, I did do something to help you. I saw it all flood right back into him. So beautiful. Wow. So did the spirit start flooding in then as well? So then it started, yes. Then it started within um, maybe a couple of weeks after that, all of a sudden I got a lot of messages for this friend. I had her husband who transitioned come through, or I had a friend whose mom had transitioned. She came through and gave me a bunch of information. And so um, then I started mentoring with different mediums because I felt like, well, I don't know what, well, actually, before I started mentoring, I'll be honest with you, I started counseling. And luckily, Spirit guided me to an amazing counselor because I went to her and I said, I'm talking to dead people. They're oh, telling wow. me things. Yes. I said, you uh -huh. know, my friends, they're worried about first grade math and potty training their kids. And I'm talking to dead people. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Not so funny at the time, right? <laughs> right, right. But Spirit guided me to the right counselor who said, Michelle, what an amazing gift. We need to oh. find you some mentors. Oh, that was definitely a gift from spirit, because if you hadn't, you wouldn't be doing the healing work you're doing now. Absolutely. Wow. So do you see the spirits now? I don't usually see them. I, I sometimes Neither do them. I. Neither I do I. So I know this is one of the things we talked about in the car and that it's not that important. Why don't you talk about that a little? Right. Yeah. So I, once in a while, they'll drop a picture in my mind. But when I'm doing mediumship, I really move into an area where it all comes through feelings. So what I say is it's like looking at someone that you know really well and you know exactly what they're going to say before they know it. You don't have time to think about it or process it. It's just there. It's just there. And so so with that being said, yes, I'll say, you know what? I feel like he had blonde hair, but literally that's me feeling it or knowing it intuitively. Um, and I often think it would be so much easier if I was a medium who could say your grandma's standing next to you. She's five foot eight. She's got brown glasses, curly blonde hair, you know, and, and give that description. But 
But what I find is their loved ones come through and give us amazing evidence of who they are without actually seeing what they look like. And there's that word that I love, evidence. You talked earlier in the program about your your mother and your husband saying, you know, that's nice, dear, you know, that you're having these experiences, nice imagination, because you weren't getting any evidence. But now you do. Right. Now I do. And now I do. And now it's funny things. It's, it's, you know, a lot of times people are still like, well, does the evidence mean you have the social security number? No, not uh, usually. Spirit really doesn't care what their social security number was. Great <laughs> you know, point. But, but, but what spirit will tell me is what you were doing this morning when they send the bird tapping on your window to uh, connect with you. And then you turned around and you saw there was a praying mantis in your house or some interesting details. Yeah. Your spirit is like, I'm right here right now. Yes, beautiful. Interesting that you fell on your head and this opened up because we had this discussion, you and I, where we've heard a a lot of people who are now doing psychic type work who fell on their head. I I fell off a counter at seven weeks old and fractured my skull. And I'd love to hear your feelings. Do you think that had to happen for you to be on this path now? Is it an interesting coincidence? Yeah, so I don't think that it had to happen, but I do think that the universe kept tapping me on the shoulder and I kept ignoring it. (laughs) (laughs) So they brought up the two by four. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, And so I feel like, I don't feel like it had to happen, but for whatever reason, I think there was some sort of a soul decision and that this is the way it would happen for me. And there is something about the head injuries where people, we kind of lose our human ideas of like that can't happen. And and it changes, it rewires our brain and we start, we start opening up and being connected to spirit in the way that I think we are actually meant to be connected to spirit. Beautifully said. In that third NDE, you spoke of a Hawaiian man, a Hawaiian and Egyptian and an Asian. I may not have the genders correct. Yes. Who who were they? So I found out they were my life guides. And Uh that was not a word I had at in my vocabulary. I didn't know what life guides were, but five months or so after my head injury, I was having lunch with my son and I was tired of not being able to taste and smell. And I said to him, I said, Josh, when do you think I'm going to get my taste and smell back. And it wasn't really because I thought he had an answer. And that, that was a result of the head trauma, the traumatic brain injury, lost the taste and smell. Okay. And you asked your, your son. Yes. Just musing. Yeah. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you need to pray about it more mom. And I said, who told you that? Cause I thought for sure he was going to say my mom. And he said, my life guide Hanson. Oh my gosh. You're, your life guide Hanson. And he said, yes. I said, well, what does Hanson look like? And he said, well, he's about as tall as dad and he has brown hair and brown eyes. And I see him in my room when I'm playing and he told me you need to, to pray about it more. Wow. Yes. And so that was when I started connecting the dots that the three people that felt like family that I knew so well, even though I didn't think I knew them were actually my life guides helping me to choose. Do you want to stay or do you want to go? How unusual that they would show up that way, though, that you knew they were Hawaiian, Egyptian, and Asian, and why, right? Right. I don't know why. I I really, I don't know why, but that was how they showed themselves Mm -hmm. to me. And um, yeah, and and so 
I don't know if those were identities that they loved from another life. I don't know if in my pre-life planning, they said to me, we're going to show up like this so that you'll remember who we are. And they gave me a little heads up. Um, But it definitely, I will tell you, for whatever reason, was not random that that was how they presented themselves. And what is your relationship with them like now? How do you use them or communicate with them? Yeah, I will ask them for for guidance, questions. What do you think we need to to do? Which way do I go with this? Um, For you and I, and I believe this, we always work with our spirit teams, um, especially when we're connecting with other people. So on our spirit team, we have our angels, our life guides, our loved ones in spirit and and other beings of light that will come in. And so we're really opening up to this higher level of saying, okay, I don't maybe remember the blueprint that I wanted for this life, but I know you guys have it. Help me make the right choice to follow my blueprint. Beautiful. So we have a lot of people that tune into this show because they are learning about the afterlife. They have experienced the passing of someone they love, and suddenly this whole world has opened up for them. We can't hear these types of things enough. You said on the break a very important point. It's so important for people to know they're not alone. And your story is certainly helping us to know that. What else would you say to those who are new to this path? They're talking to somebody here who has been across the veil three times in awareness while in a physical body. What are the most important things that people may not really understand that they used to know? (laughs) Right. They used to know, mm-hmm. you know, I w- not only is it that we're not living this life alone, but that we have a continual relationship with our loved ones, even though they're not connected to their body any longer. So the relationship does not end. It changes, but our relationships in life change. You don't parent your five-year-old the same way you do your 25-year-old, right? So it's still the evolution and the continuation of that relationship. And so I find when I first started mediumship, I would worry, what if somebody comes over and there's and I get nothing and I say I don't feel any angels I don't feel any people around you and what I found was that never happens there is always always a being of light angel loved one life guide in their energy field who wants to help guide and direct them to the next step that will be best suited for them or 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 give them a message of connection and so one of the other things I really learned about life after my hold that thought Because Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, I have moments when I don't sense anything. Mm -hmm. And now, and I have learned not to place the blame anywhere because your poor client may think it's me, it's me, it's something wrong with me. There are times when I know it's me because something may have just happened in my life to knock me off balance and I'm not able to tune in. I'm really envious for you to say that never happens to you. Well, what this is what I will say. Sometimes people will come and they want to hear from a specific person. And mm-hmm. that channel is somewhat uh, staticky, like a broken okay. cell phone call, or you're having a hard time getting as deep as you want. But that's at the same experience. time, yeah. And so, and that's not uncommon because I don't believe that every medium can read for every person because there is this energy or this frequency exchange, right? So sometimes we do get the broken cell phone calls. But what I find then in those situations is if they let me tune into their angel channel, I'll be like, oh, okay, here's where the information's coming from. But sometimes people don't want that. Sometimes people come, as you know, very rigid with, I am coming to connect with one person and you have to say the one word or none of this is going to be. Oh, I know. 
<laughs> Everybody listening, don't do that to a medium. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But if you come with an open mind and an open energy, most of the time you can connect. And I, I think most of the time for you too, we can connect with their loved yes. ones and information, yeah. but it's not 100%. It's not that it never, ever happens. It mm -hmm. does. And when it does happen as the medium, we tend to feel very disappointed or I feel disappointed in myself. No, no, I'm with you. <laughs> yes. I feel like, what did I need to do to clear up that connection? And then I'm left. Why? Why wasn't I able to, to do that? But what I have found is that sometimes spirit not sometimes, always spirit knows better than me. Absolutely. And so maybe it wasn't the day that they were meant to get the message, or maybe I wasn't the right person to deliver it. Yeah, this is why it's so wonderful when mediums get together, because we do all share these kinds of experiences, and not everybody understands. It's not like we're the amazing tune into anything all the time. I love what you said, Michelle. So I tune into the angel channel, and it is like... A little remote control. Well, okay, let's shift channels here because this is a different frequency band. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, the life guide channel is a different frequency. And then if they want some more psychic information or psychic reading, that's a different frequency. So we always have things in our energy field, right? Angels, loved ones, life guides, psychic information. And with that being said, so you might be coming and saying, I can only talk to Dan. That's all I want today. Most likely Dan's going to be there and give information. But at the same time, a lot of times we're like, oh, but I feel this angel yeah. coming in and mm -hmm. they want to tell you this. Yes. So I've learned to say to everybody, let's just let spirit run this. And we're going to trust that you're going to get the best thing for you today. So I Thank interrupted you. you and we only have two minutes left. You were going to make another point about the, the, the greatest lessons for everybody that come from tuning in across the veil. Yes. For after my third near death experience, I was able to look around at the people in my life. And instead of saying, why do they always make this bad choice? Why do they always date the wrong person? I was able to start saying, what did their soul come here to learn? What does their soul want to learn? So, so often we get caught in the human judgment. And instead of being in that role, if we raise our vibration and raise the question up to the next level of hmm, what did their soul come here to learn? It opens up a whole new world for us. That is so beautiful. And I feel that our souls are already complete and whole and beautiful, but we come here for experiences to round out all the possibilities of experiences we can have. And they're not always pleasant, but uh, I just thank you so much for the, the way you are helping people to learn more about the re greater reality. We were saying that uh, you and I are going to see each other at the Helping Parents Heal Conference, where we're both going to be taking part in that next August. Yes. And what is your goal in terms of making an impact with your work? My, my main goal is to help people realize they are not living this life alone and they are still connected and in a relationship with their loved ones on the other side of the veil. Wow. So you don't have a book yet, but let me tell you, you have enough to fill a book. So I hope you yes. have that in the works. <laughs> it is in the works. It okay. is. Excellent. So again, we've been talking with Michelle Clare, wonderful medium, that's C-L-A-R-E. Her website is michelleclare.net. Final words. I just want everyone to always see the opportunities in life. We always have an opportunity in how we are able to respond to a challenge, a question, or a situation. And, and that is the gift. That is the gift. There are always opportunities. 
Well, you are a gift to all of us, Michelle. It's been a joy talking with you. Everybody, we love you all so much, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.